You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Josh Swallows Broadway Season 2. Season 2, not that 1.5 that we were doing on the live stream. Hi, Alan. Hi, Boo. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm just looking at you and your long, long hair. Oh gosh, it, I'm I'm going full on boy band here. Like, I've committed. I know I can get haircut now, but I, I want, want you to. to get a haircut. If I if I stop being attracted to you, I'm going to find a new producer. Uh, well, that's that's what's important in this business. You always have to have a sexual attraction to your production team. Hey, hear me out. Hear me out. There's no <laughs> Me Too going on. I'm going to deny everything and my fans stand behind me. Oh, wow. Okay, we're going to have to edit that. But Tori just jumped out the window. Um, but hi, I'm so happy to be back with season two. And thank you all so much for uh, supporting us. Uh, the Patreon has been so much fun. We just did another um, Zoom party and it was a lot of fun. And we're going to do more. And I'm really excited about today because not only is it our first episode of season two, but it's with my friend Matt Lisey, who I've known since I basically moved to the city. Really? I think, I think yeah. Well, I'll get into it with him, but we were baby chickens when we first met. And now we're not baby chickens. Now we're like the old roosters. But... um. <clears throat> He's also like the only working actor in the world. The only working actor in the Wait, world. Right. So it it's like what 1 a.m. for him, I think, right now. Or so isn't that it, crazy? And it's, it's this is the is earliest he? we've ever recorded. Where um, is he? He's in the he's on the moon. Um on, Matt, okay. we're, we're talking about you like you're not here right now. I know. Okay. Anyway, we're, Alan, we'll, we'll introduce you in the final edit. I'm yeah, gonna so, kick you out of here and I'm gonna bring in Matt because we're talking about him like he's not here. <laughs> okay i love you miss you i'll be here i love you i love you get your hair cut <laughs> bye. bye matt Gosh. matt lazy hi Hello. I, how are I'm, you i'm so good i'm i'm so honored to be on your podcast i've listened to all of them i think and i you're and it makes me so happy to like i've started listening to them while i've been on this tour and like it just makes me feel like you're with me as I have my phone and the ear pods in. I'm walking around these Asian cities being like, oh, it's Josh. Oh, I baby, love- I'm always with you. I'm just like Jesus. <laughs> I'm always with you in your heart. Um, no, I was thinking back. We met. Uh, do you remember during the there was a time period in New York City mm-hmm. when uh, songwriter Scott Allen was doing Monday Night New Voices? Yes. It's funny because I did a little recon tonight because I was like, you seem like one of these people I've known forever. And then, but then I was like, what was it that, what was it that brought us together? And then it was that Monday Night's New Voice. It was the reunion concert where it was like everybody who did one got together and sang. And then we were all jammed up in that little apartment above the duplex, like all just like meeting each other, having fun. And like, oh, I have to go down and sing now. But I was having more fun upstairs getting to meet everybody. 
And then, like, I got to watch, I don't know, your career take off. Um, I remember seeing you off-Broadway in uh, The Fantastics, and you were so damn good. And um, then watching you take over the world in the national tour of uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. And uh, you're a a fellow Barrymore nominee. (laughs) A prestigious Barrymore nominee. Love my Philly people. Yeah, um, me too. I miss them. If only they could bring me back one day. But um, yeah. Yeah, but you don't need to because you're the unicorn. Oh, I mean, I will say I'm going to ride this wave for until it crests or whatever. Like I'm just going to stay on this one for a minute. Now tell us where you are right now. I'm in Seoul, Korea, right now, and we got here in March which was kind of terrifying because that was like just as the peak of Corona was, it was just like start, the numbers were starting to consistently go down, like literally like days before we arrived in Seoul. So that was like Terrence, we've been here ever since. And so um, it was one of those things where like everyone that we were talking to all our friends and family were just like, man, I I don't know. Like, I don't know if you should go back. And um, I was like, it's my job. Like, don't we have to? And so then we were getting a lot of, um, like literally daily correspondence from our producers is like giving us the lay of the land and what the updates are from the Korean government and what the travel advisories, because we, we're a very international cast. We have, oh, oh P.S., I'm doing Fan of the Opera. Um, it's it's this this world tour of Fan of the Opera. And um, so we have people from... Uh, Wait, Australia. hold on. You're not just doing Phantom of the Opera, asshole. You're playing... Oh, Raul. I can't even pronounce it. Raul. Yeah, apparently it's Ra- been I Raul, but it's it's Raul. I guess Raul. Um, in with the little little French uh, pronunciation, I guess. Yeah, Raul, Vicomte de Chagny. Um, so yeah, so, so that's it's been such a treat playing this part. And um, but yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be the gift that kept on giving. Literally, like being yeah one of the only jobs right now. So I'm, I'm feeling crazy blessed. Um, and. But yeah, I will say it doesn't go without its own like stress is and freak out moments. And um, but we're in a very like stable place right now. But leading up to it, it was it was pretty scary. And and um, yeah, as I was saying, like the producers would would be like, "This is what's going on with the governments and and how travel is for all of our people from South Africa, from Australia." And then the U.S., I think those are the main countries that we represent. And um, so we all have different travel advisories. And they're like, and the people are like, oh, well, um, Australia's made it a, a level four, level one. But anyway, so um, the producers traveled out there to meet us there. So I was like, okay, if you guys are going to be there, I feel like I can go too. So then we literally all like took a leap of faith and like got on these planes to, to Korea and then met in the theater the next day. And we're like, I'm so glad you guys are all here. No one like quit or, or like didn't come on the plane. It was amazing. We all showed up and we just like kind of gave it, um, gave it a try and to see like, cause I mean there it's, there's national theaters in, in Seoul. Um, if it's like a government owned building, those productions were closed and did not reopen. But then with commercial theaters, those were able to somehow stay open. And that was how we were able to open in Seoul and continue um, I could keep going um, because then we had our own little scare and um, and we had Corona within the company. So <gasps> that, that was a little terrifying it, and it came out of nowhere because um, basically, I, I guess I should say like 
when we got to Seoul, we're like, okay, how are we gonna do this? Like, Seoul is, like, Korea at that point was a hotspot. And well, first of all, where were you flying from? Oh, yeah. So um, I, I think I had just, I'd just left New York and like done some regrouping there and then went home to Kansas City to visit my family. And I flew from Kansas City to Seoul. And before we go into that, because something that I've always found fascinating about you, you were born in Massachusetts, but didn't you grow up in England or your family's from England? Yeah, yeah. My mom's British. And um, and so I grew up in England. Um, I guess I have dual citizenship, which is um, <laughs> during this process, I was like, oh, maybe I should have my British passport sent over here. So I have that just in case. But, um, but yeah, so, so I grew up- lucky. And if oh. things hit the fan, will you please fucking marry me and just take me out of this country? You were probably the first one. I mean, maybe we could have like a, a polygamous. You can hook up with whoever you want to. <laughs> I don't care. Just get yes. me out of here. You'll be on the certificate. It'll be you and now, me, baby. How did I just want to say I'm I'm there to I'm there to videotape all this. Uh, well, okay. Cool. 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 All right. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate it, babe. As long as you get your hair cut. Um, <laughs> now, Matt, how on earth did your poor family? end up in Kansas City. So my dad is from Kansas. And so uh, basically my dad was um, working in education and was working at American schools overseas. Like we actually even right after Boston, we moved, um, I was just a baby, like an infant. We moved, um, or it was six months old, I think. We moved to Athens, Greece for two years. And so that was fucking amazing. And um, so what's been cool about this, this tour is I've had these layoff like months. So I've been like kind of like going to like sort of these destinations I've been meaning to go to back when you could travel. So I got to go to Greece and see where my dad taught and just <gasps> go to Mykonos and Santorini and all that, all that stuff. But, um, but wow. yeah, you live all these cool places that my parents took me as a baby. So, um, so yeah, so Greece was really a really cool thing that I had no memory of. Um, and then we moved to England to be closer to my mom's family. And so my dad taught at an American school there, which is where I ended up going until fourth grade. And, um, and then my dad, had always been involved in my, in this family business, which um, it does, it's an industry that doesn't exist anymore. Pre-press, it's kind of boring, whatever. But um, he took he took control and, and bought the business, and then that's what took us to Kansas. And so, um, so we had this like crazy transatlantic move. But I was so excited though, because at ten, I was in love with everything American and like Trapper Keepers and Gatorade and all these amazing candies. Like I was like, oh, this is the best place ever. I didn't realize. Because that it was Wichita, Kansas, and, and no shade there. But I was like, I, looking back, I'm like, oh, I, I I don't know about that move. But um, but I was I was happy to be in the states, and um, and then and I had you this, have a cute British accent. But you like, father, mom, we're going yeah. to have trapper keepers. Right. Exactly. I apparently had this weird posh accent because my my mom has like a very like, traditional British accent, but mine apparently was very proper. I don't know where it came from, but. <laughs> but that that went away because it wasn't cool to be to be British at ten in Kansas. So um, no, quickly became like, a- you ain't American, boy. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, you you fly to Korea yeah. as all the shit is hitting the fan here, and so and the the same is there. It's hitting the fan there too as you're flying there. Like- the, the the shitting the fan hadn't quite happened yet in the U.S. It was like, it looked like it was, I feel like, what, what is it, in Kirkland, Washington, like that had happened. And, but it just, it just seemed like it wasn't, 
really happening in the U.S. yet. It wasn't real yet, yeah. We were, like, so we, we were just like, oh, everyone was freaking out for us. And so um, my my uh, family friend, his doctor, he came over and gave me a couple of like N95 masks. And, and then my mom gave me a ton of gloves and all of like the sanitizer that you could ever dream of. And um, and so I came like with all these supplies. And, um, and then I realized that I'm literally in like the safest place to be if dealing with COVID. So um, at first I was like a little nervous, but uh, yeah, it really wasn't, I mean, everyone is such there's they obey the rules so well here and like everyone wears a mask everywhere and like even even when like like pre-covid like a lot of asian countries seem to if they're sick or or they, they're afraid of getting sick they just wear a mask anyway like that's just the culture so like we we were in um this other city busan korea before um it was right as as things were starting to happen in wuhan and then a few cases had started to hit korea when we left in early February. And, um, and even then I remember like hearing about COVID and I was like, what is this? And like, Oh, it'll be contained or whatever. But then it did start to come to Korea and, um, we would be like the, the, the show would start and we look out into the audience and then that's when it hit me. Like I just saw a sea of masks. I was like, Oh shit. And then I was, and I heard a couple people cough and then it became this chain reaction. I was like, Oh shit, this is how I die. I just I will be sharing the uh, the COVID germs with this entire audience and people and um and that's how that's how it ends. But um, that's so scary. At first, did you think it was cosplay? Cosplay? <laughs> Wait, what? Were you like, oh wow, they're just really into Phantom? Oh. Well, you're like, oh mystery indeed, the chandelier exactly. before all of us are dead. <laughs> that's me. Um, yeah. um, but yeah, I was that, so that was pretty scary. Um, but, but then it seemed like nothing was really happening after those first few cases in Korea. So then we went home and then things started to pick up while we were on our layoff. And, um, so that's when we're like, Oh, I don't know about this. So, uh, so I came to arms, all these supplies and, and we made it, I want to say two weeks into our run here in Seoul. And then all of a sudden we got, uh, one of our ballerinas was out of the show for a few shows and we're like, Oh, okay, whatever. She's injured or, or maybe she has a cold. Uh, people were saying she had a cold. It was like, okay, great. So, um, then we, I think we had a Tuesday night show. We, I go to bed and I wake up and my phone has blown up. And then there's like this apology from the girl who indeed tested positive for Corona saying, I'm so sorry. And then I see my email and then our company managers like sending us all this stuff. And, and it's basically like, um, you are going to be tested. So it's crazy. Literally within eight hours of finding out she tested positive, they set up a, a satellite, um, like triage type, like testing center on the roof of our hotel. So like we go up, so like it was crazy. So we're, we all go up in like twos or threes or whatever. And I'm um, escorted by like, these people in all the safety gear um, up to the the roof and like, and then to all these people in like hazmat suits, it was like out of a movie. It was insane. And then they did the swab down the nose and the throat, which was, which was, wasn't the most pleasant thing in the world. But then, um, and then we went home and we couldn't, we literally didn't leave the hotel from the night of that Tuesday. So Wednesday morning, like you can't leave your room and you're being tested and then you won't be able to leave the room until we find out what your results. So then we get the results back and there's one more, positive which is kind of incredible since we're it kind of goes to show like the whole like how do we move forward as as an industry um granted like track and trace is um something they do here and um so everyone who comes to the theater is um they have all their info they um can contact them so basically when we had the scare 
8,000 audience members were contacted and said that there was there were two positive um, COVID um, people in the cast. And because of that, you need to get tested and please self-isolate for two weeks. So, um, and so because of that, I'm sure I'm losing my train of thought. So um, uh, going back to um, when we found out there was COVID in our company, um, we thought that when we got the negative results, we'd be able to like leave our room. But unfortunately that was not the case. So we spent two weeks not able to, to leave our hotel rooms. We couldn't open our door. Like meals would come. It was really sweet. They, the hotel did an amazing job in the government of taking care of us during the two weeks, but we weren't able to leave. So like the, um, like breakfast would come to the front door and they would knock. And then, uh, what was, I loved it. Cause like nothing was happening in these two weeks. We were just like these, these like sad, lonely people. And so like, we'd run to the door. Cause if someone came to the door and then, um, you, you'd open it and they literally be like, Oh, can and they'd literally run away from us. Cause they thought that we had Corona. But, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. And, uh, yeah. So that must we, have been so lonely. It was, but I will say what's interesting is, um, I realized I'm more introverted than I thought from this experience. Like, I, like how have you coped with, with being cooped up in your apartment? You know, it depends. I deal with depression. So, you know, when yeah. I do live alone, I have cats, which is nice. But the first yes. month of this was really depressing. Yeah. You know, it it was just like, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a really nice place. <laughs> that sounded so douchey. Whoa. I'm really fortunate to live in a castle. But, like, it felt like a prison, you know? Yes. Honestly, uh, for me, it was like not having any, like, air coming through. So I took out the screens. Like, I'm so thankful. Like for this city, I got a nice, like, big apartment style hotel room. Um, but like with the kitchen and washing. So it's it's like I'm set up here. If there was ever a place to quarantine, this is the place. But um, but yeah, like I was like, I need air. Like I need to get out. So I we took out the screens and I took out the screens in my windows and I'm um, just like would stick my head out the window just to get some air. And it was so sweet. Like on at noon every day, we would like do it. Like whoever whoever's rooms were facing this courtyard, we would, um, we'd have like a 12 o'clock check-in basically. <laughs> and so we would wave from our windows and, um, and we have a sweet little ballerina who has a teddy bear and she would like make little signs and put in the window. And, um, and so it was almost like, not like a, are you alive kind of check, but it was just kind of like, let's check in and, and just be like, hi. And, and we would, uh, like we did a little, like some games via zoom and like FaceTime each other to check in. And, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm so glad it didn't last beyond two weeks because there's only so much, so many puzzles you can do. I did my taxes while I was cooped up. Um, wow. But, uh, a lot of, there's only so many shows you can watch. Yeah, yeah. So after that two weeks, yeah. did everybody, was everybody cleared to go back? Yeah, so we waited, they waited one more week to get us back into the theater and, um, and it, and it was also a scary time too, because there's no guarantees that we were going to reopen. So um, we were waiting on the government to see what they were going to say. Like the mayor was making a lot of announcements about like only these types of entertainment type venues can reopen. Cause, um, cause this, oh, so basically um, there was, uh, oh no, wait, no, no, sorry. This, I'm skipping ahead. Um, there was another scare, but um, so yes, yeah, so we were, there was no, um, there wasn't any indication where, whether we would continue. So we were, I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't want to be a good Debbie Downer, but I was also like prepared, like for the the email phone call, being like, "It's not you guys are going to go home, blah blah blah." 
So um, that's not Debbie Downer. That's being a realist. Exactly. Exactly. So I was, like, I was prepared for the worst. I was hoping for the best. Um, and uh, I, I obviously knew things were probably going to change with our itinerary, but um, but it was also scary too because at the time, um, all the new cases that were coming into into Korea were foreigners or people who had been abroad. So the, all the eyes were on us being non-Koreans um, having, and so it's, it's unclear whether these two people in our cast came with Corona because one person had, was asymptomatic. The other person developed some minor symptoms. And so, so we don't, we don't really know, but I think um, journalists were kind of wanting to, to write a story basically being like this company brought in Corona and like, and, and so it was, so I mean, the PRPR PR was like amazing on it. And um, we just had to make sure that we just are always like great ambassadors moving forward, always wearing masks. And like, if there's any picture you happen to have without a mask, like just maybe, just maybe don't have that there Destroy anymore. Destroy it. <laughs> exactly. Just because we've always, I mean, that's the thing. We, we were always so good, like wearing a mask, but like, we're just so used to like, I mean, with the age of narcissism, being on social media and all that, like when you post a photo, at this point, we weren't posting photos in masks. So like we would do a little photo, hey, it's me in, in Seoul. And then we'd be like this, but then like you can't post that. So we would delete those 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 photos of us pulling our masks down. But um, so yes, yeah, so we had another week of like, ah, like what's happening? And then we came back and it was kind of like business as usual. Um, unfortunately, the, the a guy who had no symptoms, he never developed symptoms, but they kept him in... Oh, oh, that's what they do here. You don't, you don't sit in your apartment or wherever you're living, um, waiting to get better or you, you get sent to a facility or a hospital. And, um, and so that's where you're literally quarantined there with the, the doctors and nurses until you test positive, I think twice, don't quote me, but, um, you have to like do a series of like consecutive negative results in order to be released. And for some reason, his, his test has kept coming back positive. So he was in there for like six weeks. And, um, oh my God. I told him, he's like, you need to write a book. Like that's, um, that's a story there. And like I'm dealing with the food cause it's, it's like Korean and, and, um, and then I think they were keeping watch of them. There might've been cameras. And so they didn't really have any privacy. So it was, um, I think quite an experience. I'm so thankful I didn't, I didn't get it. So then I'm trying to think how many weeks we had of just like, we're kind of back to normal. And then they, um, because the numbers got down to like, I think single digits for the entire country, which like, I mean, doesn't that sound just like insane at this point? It's like this entire country like had, would have like seven one day and then like eight the next and for like a couple of weeks. So then they're like, you know what? We'll like reopen, we'll do a test run and like reopen some bars and stuff. So we were just like, I mean, if you can imagine like, I mean, like if they opened up stuff now, like people would like flock to it. So that we had one night on our, like our last, after our last show of the week, we all kind of flocked to this one area which is literally right where the theater is, where we've just been chomping at a bit to go. It's where all these cute bars are and blah, blah, blah. So we had this one great night out. And then, and then days later, they're like, there was a huge outbreak in Itaewon, which is exactly where our theater is and where we were out. And it was like, no. so we're like, holy shit. And so then, so we get this email being like, if anyone has been in this area, like this radius, um, you need to go get tested. So it wasn't just the people who went out, anyone who got dinner in that area, and so that was like most of the company. So we all got up, up really early one day, went to this like satellite tent, not, not the hotel this time. And, um, one of these sort of like portable, um, testing sites and <clears throat> we get tested again. And, and then that was the terrifying thing too. Cause it's like, okay, like the government was so cooperative with us the first time. 
if we get it again, like, I don't know, they'll be like, bye. Um, you guys are irresponsible. Blah, blah. So, um, not that we, we weren't irresponsible, but just like, you know what, like we, we helped you out once. Like, so we were freaking out like, Oh God, if anyone gets this again, like we're, I don't know, the show's probably over. So that 24 hour period waiting for the results was terrible. We were told that we, we might hear that night. So then of course we're like refresh, refresh on our phones, like all night. Then it not, it wasn't until the next morning that we got like indi- an indication that we got, we we're all negative across the board. And no, thank God. Seriously. So was God, there like any animosity with people being like, did you go out? Are you risking oh, yeah. our jobs? There's a, yeah, there's definitely like, I mean, no shade to our people, but we all have different, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting too. Cause like the people that, are a little more like judgmental of people doing still what's allowed, but maybe they're like, it, I don't know. It's like our company manager will be like, it's advised not to go to these places. And for a long time we didn't go, but now across the board, I think people are starting to go to, there's certain neighborhoods in Seoul that we're, we're not really supposed, we weren't supposed to go to, but now it's kind of opened up. But yeah, there was, I think the people that were a little more judgmental of people sort of like testing the waters, I think we're getting, um, a lot of people back home freaking out on them. And it's like, like families who are like, it's just like doom and gloom. And, but it's just like, yeah. So there was, there was some tension. Sure. Like within the company. And, and then, I mean, yeah, I felt it too. Like, I mean, at one point I was thinking like, Oh, I don't know. Like maybe I was hearing about people doing this and I'm one of the people that likes to push the boundaries a little bit, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a little stressful. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think, and I think since then, we've been like smooth sailing for the most part. It's just like dealing with like the, like talking to our friends and family back home and hearing how horrible it is and worrying about people who have tested positive, people who are in the hospital, people who have died, people. Um, yeah, it's been stressful. And like the, I didn't mention, but like it took its toll on us physically. Like we were, I've never been one to like for things to manifest physically, like, I'm stressing out about so much, but during our first performances back, like I was finding, I couldn't breathe on stage. Like my chest was heavy and I just like, I, I really had to focus on breathing. And like, I was getting to the point where I was like on stage about, I'd be like, no more talk of dark. And I was like, Oh, I, Oh, and my eyes would start to go. I'm like, Matt, focus, breathe. And it was, so it was terrifying. I was like, what is wrong with me? Am I anemic? Am I like not eating enough? And blah, blah, blah. And so I was like talking about it backstage. And I just realized that it was literally the 20, well, not, obviously I'm not awake 24 hours a day, but like literally like every waking minute of my day was like, I was consuming COVID news or like anything like stories related to COVID jokes about COVID, like hearing people back home and their stories, the new, I was watching the news at every moment. And I was just like, Matt, you need to take a break. This is literally like stressing you out to the point where like, you're not coping. So, um, see, I learned to, um, kind of have my time to, to check in on what's going on, going on like with the news. And then like, obviously not, not shutting any friends and family out, but just maybe being like, maybe we should distract ourselves from, from this, this. Yeah. I, I, I say this just because I just, I don't want anyone to think that like, um, it's been all like roses and peaches and well, here. No, of course not. But, um, you're also living in what I call like the tour bubble. Yes. You know, where it's like you're living in a world that isn't necessarily reality. Like right. it's just this bubble of people that is together. Yeah. And you're like a family all of a sudden, whether, and it's like you all love each other and you're always going to remember each other. But, you know, it's like 
this enormous group of people that now suddenly live together and function together. Right. Yeah. Um, and but it, this time during a global pandemic. Exactly. And I will say that it's definitely like taken its toll on us and, and there's been tension and, it, and things have been heightened as you can imagine. I mean, for act, dramas and whatever, but yes, yeah, I think we've been reminded that like, this is all we, we're all we have. And like, we just have to love and be supportive and, and patient with each other and yeah. yeah, so it's. <laughs> Has it been hard seeing the civil unrest that's been happening back home? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it has been really hard to watch our country just like unravel, and it just seems like it's just falling apart. And I'm just thinking, like, at one point I was like, "Wow, is is World War Three about to begin?" While or at least a civil war. Um, like while we're away and I just, yeah, it's, um, it's been really sad. And yeah. Um, I just really hope we can get back on track. I was literally just trying to figure out how to get my absentee ballot sent to, um, cause I mean, that's one way to hopefully get things yeah. back on track. But yeah, we tried to do our part over here. Um, and uh, there was a black lives matter Korea uh, movement. And so, um, so we we did our own version of that. Like I mean, of course, it's all like virtual and yeah. And, um, but yeah, of course, it just seems we just seem so helpless. We feel helpless over here. Like, I mean, like what can we do? Um, I mean, I feel like that's not uncommon for people <clears throat> that look like us. We're just like feeling like helpless. And what, what like what can we do? But yeah, but I mean, our black friends are are guiding us in the right yeah. direction and. But yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy, and as you said, uh, yeah, living in a bubble, like we just um, it doesn't feel real, like all all the things that are happening back home, and and so it's it's going to be interesting. We go back, um, I, if all goes to plan, we'll all go back to our homes um, in October. So I think that'll be a good, healthy dose of reality, and um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of guilt that we have too. Um, Initially, it was the fact that we're that we were, we saw jobs. So I mean that that was um, something we were all dealing with, and we like I mean I'll never never forget. Like I mean I mean I, I still feel it. The audience like bowing after seeing like because after after we had our scare, um, like the audiences like there were some people that exchanged their tickets or 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 just or have them refunded like we're scared to come because we brought Corona here. Um, the, just seeing the people in the seats, like they were, they weren't afraid. They wanted to see Phantom and them on their feet cheering for us. Like it was quite moving. And um, cause like they're risking something. Um, and I mean, to be honest, we kind of are too. We, we talked about um, how we move forward. Cause like we, we're doing all the precautions, like, we get um, our temperature checked when we come into the stage door. We can't come in if it's a certain temperature. Um, sanitize all moments. They, they, um, the all the backstage, the, the crew, um, they all wear masks at all times, and um, we wear masks like when we come in. But um, but once we start getting ready, they come off. And so at that point, it's like we just have to trust each other, and and just like it's kind of like all our decisions are kind of made with the well-being of our company. So, um, so it's like, 
yeah, we can't get too crazy because it's like we could come in and bring bring the virus in. And we we talked with our resident director about um, how we feel about intimacy in the show. So um, since like since I and the and the Phantom kiss the Christines, um, that's like a that's like is it five or six of us who who are constantly sharing germs. Yeah, all y'all dirty, it, dirty bitches. Right, exactly. Spreading COVID. <laughs> so um, so we all kind of had like the same reaction. We're like, you know what? Like, I trust my fellow actors to not push it um, and and to, to know that we're doing what we can to stay healthy. And and yeah, we're, we're, we're passing germs with our saliva. And we're, but we're like, that's the thing we're... we're um, we all kind of agree that like we do a lot of other intimate things beyond that. Like we're touching hands and, and then, I mean, I mean, there's been all these articles about like um, singing and just like actors on stage projecting, like, like, I mean, I'm a spitter. So like I see my spit go flying. And so in the beginning I was like terrified. I'm like, Oh my God, I literally saw that go across half the stage. Like I just gave that, like we just joke, I'm gave that person Corona, like shit. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. And then of course, I, I was very honored to like, I've never been in the New York times, but they, they did a, an article on us because they were interested to see like how we've managed to like stay open during Corona. And um, of course my two quotes, I'm like, I've, I'm talking about how my friends and family were freaking out about me going to Korea. And then the other quote is me talking about the spit flying out of my mouth during masquerade. <laughs> I'm like New York times. Quote. <laughs> oh, but, um, but hey, if dreams come true. You just should dream a little more specifically. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's your family now that you've been there for a bit? Now are they like, oh, okay, you can stay there? Yeah, they're um, they're very happy to know that I'm in a safer place. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any worry. I think, yeah, I'm trying to think when the when the the shift was. At first, they were very worried. And then, and then it went like very quickly went with the, uh, the outbreak in the U S to be like, Oh, actually, you know what? I'm in the safer place. And, um, and honestly, I feel like if anywhere in the world, like this is where I'd want to be, um, like during this crisis and, and God forbid, like getting it, like it'd be terrible, but I would be in safe hands. And, um, yeah, but yeah. So they're all about like, yes, yeah, stay over here and, and, um, yeah, ride this out. I yeah, but also like you and all of your company and crew, it's very inspiring and uh, it gives mm. us all hope because over here, like we don't have anything to look forward to right now. True. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just very dismal. Yeah, it, I I agree. I mean, seeing, um, yeah, I see feeds, like, like actors' feeds on Facebook and I'm, they're all talking about, leaving New York for at least a year and getting nine to fives and just like maybe not returning to the business again. I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, I will say, um, even with the job, this crisis has made me reevaluate what I, how I prioritize or how I, what my priorities are, I guess. Like, and, and, and does this business like fulfill that? And, um, and yeah, and I've come to realize it does, but, um, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. I forgot I was going to say something else, but I don't. Oh, yeah. Well, um, is it strange when you're living in one world where you're literally doing 
one of I mean one of my favorite Broadway shows and like you are doing the Broadway production of Phantom of the Opera yeah. in Korea right literally one of the only Broadway shows to be running right now and the entire industry is sort of like all over the world except you <laughs> and maybe a couple of others like yeah. It's like we're not coming back until they're secure. We're like our country is in this civil war over wearing a mask. Right. It's I, It makes me so mad that that's been politicized. I'm like, this is literally, it's science. Like with two masks, like there will be no spread. It's like, I don't, I don't understand it, but I was happy to see Donald wearing a mask in some photos like okay so maybe maybe his followers will follow suit it's it's poor i mean basically like moving forward i feel like it can happen and it's just it's just so frustrating because it's like if people comply um it that's how you like you guys will go back to work it's crazy like like the whole like they were doing do you see the thing about the london palladium and um andrew Lloyd weber was trying to get just to see how that would go and so there was some kind of like benefit concert and that was this week and it was kind of sad to look at the, the people in the audience because like it was very socially distanced and there are all these empty seats but it, it happened and i mean we'll see if any if there's any like um repercussions from that or any but um but that's it's funny um enjoyed weber he was quoted in the article too but like social distancing isn't that's not the answer it's um because like we literally are i mean granted there's there's um, people who are more compliant here, but cause that's what my friends back home saying. Like, but this will never happen in the U.S. People don't follow the rules, blah, blah, everyone's like, they're way too independent or whatever. And, um, but I'm like, I don't know if I completely agree with that. Like we have people like we've been sold out like the last couple of weeks and like it's, there's every seat is filled and everyone wears a mask and then no one gets COVID. I just don't. I, yeah. So it's, I, I don't like to see the, the, the theaters that I, I see like, like with their new plans of reopening and, and like, it's all about social distancing and like, there's going to be half or less than half of the seats filled. And, and there's going to be like these like plexiglass, like encasings. And like, I just, did you see the uh, beef and boards trailer oh. for beehive with them wearing the face um, shields? I literally scream laughed. I could not, I couldn't believe that was real. Like that seemed like a pair. I mean, no offense to, to them but like no it's not the performer's fault it's just you know look i was like come on that and there's a parody on that i forgot i'll just send that jordan yeah. grubb jordan grubb oh, yeah, uh, did it and it's the poultry players yes <laughs> or whatever it's so funny oh oh god yeah that was yeah so i i just don't want to i just don't feel i don't know i mean i don't know of course i don't have all the answers but like i just feel like that's not the way to go and i know everyone's anxious to get their theaters up and running again and people want to get back to work, but I'm just, I don't know. I just want to make sure it's done properly. And I, I don't know. I wish I had all the answers and could make everyone wear masks, but. I know. I think over here, we're just sort of waiting to get a vaccine. Cause that's the yeah. only thing that hopefully will shut people up. Seriously. Um, it's, you know, it's very strange, but it's been very, amazing to get to pop up online and be like oh my god look matt matt is in phantom of the opera he's starring in phantom of the opera right now 
Mm. And look at all all of his friends. There's the Christine and there's the Phantom. Mm. You know, Phantom is one of my dream roles. Uh, Dream roles. No, dream shows. It is. I got to go in for it for Andre. And I was like, I'm going to give a really good performance. And then my friend Brad came in and I was like, oh, I'm going to give a really good audition. And he's the one that's going to book it. And he was the one who booked it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I I was happy to see him. He's, Me too. Me yeah. too. He he deserved it, and he's perfect for it. Who's one of them? Um, I don't know if you saw it with him, but uh, who's one of the El Gallos I worked with at Fantastics? Oh, really? So I see him do that. Yeah, I um, love him. Yeah, he's great. So talented. I know, but Phantom's been one of my favorite shows since I was a kid. I love it. Love that. I can see it over and over again. Oh. I, you know what? It's funny. It's one of those shows I never, I guess because I, I didn't see myself ever being in it. Cause like the way I saw it being cast, I was like, that's not me. So, um, I, I guess I maybe just was like, Oh, it's phantom, it's phantom. And then once I started going in for it, which was only for this production, like it was never, so it basically like, Oh, okay. I'll just, well, actually this story is actually kind of weird. But, um, do you want to hear how I, ended yeah. Up okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so, so basically, I was doing Sweeney Todd down at Barrow Street, and I was I was standing by for Toby, Anthony, Beetle, and and I just come off of well, right before that was um was um Gentleman's Guide where I was covering Monty, and so I was like in this place of like Matt, like it's time. Why am I talking to myself in third person? That's disgusting. I no, it's um, not. It's so hot. <laughs> I'm really into that. Really into that. <laughs> If I was, I was like talking to myself. I oh, oh, it was so cool. So for like three months before my bike got stolen and I got into an, a little accident a couple of stitches later. Um, before that, I was had like three months of riding my bike on the Hudson River, and I was like, this is a, this is such a like a sexy way to get to work. And I'm like going to my little off Broadway theater, and like how cute is this? And um, and I'm thinking I I gotten an appointment to go in for this world tour as the Ral understudy, and I was like, oh, again, like. Always bring me in for the role and then cast me like that, whatever. So um, I am on my bike and I'm just like, I was like being such a bitch. I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to go. And so like I'm riding my bike and um, and then I literally like had to like swerve. And and right as I look up, it's a MTA bus with phantom plastered all over it. And I like, I look up and I was like, okay, I'll go to this damn audition. And then only like at that point, like I'd done an Asian tour right out of college. And I was just like, because most of the tour, it was, I mean, it's been it's been Asia and the Middle East. And I mean, Tel Aviv it was in there too. So that was pretty cool. But um, uh, I was like, I don't want to go back to Asia. Blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I'll just go in and I'll do a good job. Cause like, I haven't been in for Tara Rubin in a while, whatever. So going in there and then, and then I, I have the next audition with the team. And, and then at that point it's like to cover Andre, cover Raul, and then be a swing or something. And I was like, Oh, like, that's I'm, a lot of work. I'm not a, I did a swing once to get my equity card. And I was like, I don't think that's my job. And, um, oh, all, all the power to the swings. Um, it's so much work. I, I did realize with Sweeney that I can be, I can be a standby for multiple roles. Like I, I'm good at, at roles, but I, I, yeah, ensemble and knowing on this person, I'm over here doing it on the left, but then I, I no, brain doesn't work like that. But, um, so yeah, so I went from that and then they're like, um, they were, the team was like, we are going to pitch you to how prince as um as an andre but if he if for some reason or for some reason whatever if he doesn't see you like that would you be up for like ensemble covering or whatever and um and i was like sure and I, the whole time i'm thinking like i might be a 
maybe I, I don't know. Like, I don't, do I read a little young for Andre? I don't know. But I'm like, whatever. I want to meet Hal Prince. Let's just go in and and have fun. And then I think the idea was since I'd already been working on the RAL material as well. So when I went in, Hal cut me off with like that. Um, like, oh, I, I know all your greatest roles, senior. Like, but he's like basically like no. <laughs> and he's um, let's look at the RAL packet. And um, and so we did that and it clicked. And then I left. Uh, uh, and then I was like, I think I just got Ral, and it was so weird because it was my. He had a Hal had like two choices for all the principals, and because um, he just came in for that last day, and uh, and it was just me and, and my my good friend Kurt on the tour, and so I was so glad that he got it because we we connected and waiting outside, and I was like, he seems really cool. He's my bestie on the road, and um, yeah, so it all it just all kind of like clicked the way it was supposed to, and so I'm glad I decided to go to the audition. Goes to tell you, too. you don't know like how things are gonna like shuffle out in the end. Like, I, I was like, I was gonna make take a stand, like because you know sometimes you hear people talk about that. Like, you need to make a stand and be like, I'm not gonna be an understudy anymore, or I'm not gonna like blah 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 blah. And then people might listen after a while. But um, but I, my whole thing was like, I just wanted to do good for Phantom because maybe one day there'll be something that they want me for. And, and then. I'm and then sh- I'm shocked that you weren't just Raul off the bat. Well, it's weird. Cause I thought, I thought like, cause I mean, no offense to this tour, but it's, it, it's kind of like, um, like a Sita version of it. It's like, um, and they've made it. So it's, um, it's much more travelable. So it's, um, it's, it's exactly the same staging, uh, but they, they just made it so that the travel time in between cities is shorter. So um, sure. and I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll this will be the, the, the model that they follow moving forward. Um, for all the touring production of Phantom, assuming it'll continue to tour. But um, but yeah, so it's like, um, so I, I agree. I was kind of like, oh, come on, you guys. And um, well, I'm so- like, you're the young hot dude that can act and sing mm-hmm. and dance. Like that's Raul. <laughs> like he's being very kind. But thank- no, um, I'm not. I'm like Andre's crotchety. Like <laughs> anyway, no offense, Andre's, but you're crotchety. He, he, he yeah. <laughs> um, get to like write out my my ingenue years or whatever you want to call it like on on this gig it's nice especially like coming back like what am I in a rush to come back for and then um and then like yeah I'm gonna be in this weird no man's land age wise so um I might as well just sort of kind of coast along here so I just signed on I- for some more time barring any natural disasters covid spread and um yeah it looks like i'll be doing this for a while good you live your life out there and let me know if you need a dresser um uh, i'm not good at wardrobe stuff but i can hand you a scarf do you do, do, you do hair we have a hair opening no, i'm joking <laughs> but no I, but <laughs> i can put some mousse in your hair and be like voila go get christine <laughs> Keep your hands at the level of your eyes. Right, bitch. Um, I, Come oh, on, I would, bitch. I would love to have you here. I mean, yeah, people are leaving. Um, I got some openings. Could I be Carlotta? <gasps> I think you could. I'd be really good. I'd be good. Actually, Madame Giri is my dream role. Honestly, it's funny. Anytime in an interview people ask me, what other role would you play? It's always Madame Giri. She's so freaking, like, I don't know. There's so She's so mysterious. She knows everything that's going on in that opera house. She's yeah. um, she, yeah. she's she, that's the role. During my time at uh, at prom, Brooks Eschmanskis is also obsessed with Phantom. 
Really? And we can we can do the whole thing by heart. And like we would constantly backstage be like, let her sing for you, monsieur. She has been well taught. A chorus girl. Um, like we constantly would do that. And fun fact, yeah. his best friend in college was Peter Dinklage, which is hilarious mm-hmm. to me. Wait, this and is Brooks he in uh, Brooks Eschmanskis. Yeah, his best and he introduced Peter Dinklage to Phantom of the Opera. Oh my god. He has a great story about them getting shit-faced in Peter's dorm, like on wine, and him playing the cassette tape and like talking him through Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Oh, thank you for sharing the love of Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> That's I love that story. Well, I love you. You're part of a really mm-hmm. cool legacy, Matt. I mean, it's been one of those like slow burns. Um, Cause I, I, it's, have you ever done like, you, I'm sure you've done like when you've been plugged into something, it's, it's, I mean, it's corporate theater basically. It's like, this thing is, it, it's, it ain't broke. So they're not going to change anything. So it's like, and, and this being a brand new production, I was thinking there might be a little more, um, but it's funny as much as I felt that like, this is what it is. And this is um, people are like, Oh, your take is so like fresh and whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I thought I was just doing exactly what I was told, but I guess, you know, being who we are, we just naturally bring whatever, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, um, but it's been one of those shows where I'm like, I, I love it more and more each time I do it. And I'm like, it's crazy. And like, I'm coming on two years and I'm like, I'm not done yet. Like I'm still growing in it. And I mean, I'm still, I, I swear it's like a great tool or great, um, like, I mean, I'm still training how to do eight shows. And, and honestly, this is the first long run I've done. Well, I guess I mean, fantastics, but, um, but I mean, I know this is a little different, I guess. I, I don't know. Or maybe me being a little older, like it's it, the wear and tear and the fatigue and the five show weekends. And Oh my God. I hate a five show weekend. Oh, I hate oh. them. I hate them. We were such little idiots yesterday. We, um, like, I don't know if you've ever done this on the road, but like, we got um we started we're such dorks we started a couple of people started this music theater book club so we'll um we'll every once in a while we'll like one person it'll be their turn and they'll pick the show basically with a role they want to work on in mind and then these other two like our one of our brilliant pianists and um and one of our ensemble members will um they'll basically like kind of cast it and um and so then we basically just do a reading of it with no rehearsal you just like kind of just sort of wing it and it's always a delightful train wreck, but it's like, but it's really fun. And we had like this idiotic idea on a Friday before five, sh- like in the middle of a five show weekend to do lame Miz. So we're like, what, what the fuck? Like it was it, it, like, I was done. And I was like, um, I have to, I have to go like do a, I have to do my job after this. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that, so we're, we're, we're dorks. And, um, but it, I mean, it's w- w- a way to keep us fresh and, and it made me realize how out of shape I am. Cause it's like, you do your eight shows, but then it's like, if you try to do other stuff, like, I don't know. How out of shape you are. Shut up. You do eight shows a week. What? You're not supposed to do a ninth <laughs> of Les Mis. I know. I was like, that is not, I, yeah. So I'm taking the next one off. I'm like, I need some time to recover. <laughs> no, no, no. You're amazing. Um, You're amazing. Well, listen, my dream for you, and, yeah. well, I have many dreams for you. But when all this is over, I want to see you as Raul, and I want it to be on Broadway. Oh, I um, like that. That's what I want. 
because you're incredible. And I like how they always plaster the new Christine and Raul on the masquerade wall. Like, I'm like, that is the body of Sarah Brightman. You're not fooling me, but. Wait, I've never noticed that. Oh, yeah. They do it all the time. (laughs) P.S. Do you remember when Sarah Brightman was training to go onto the moon to sing uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber songs in space? Do you remember that? I just, I have this idea, like, I don't know. I want to make a show about Sarah Brightman, like I am Sarah Brightman, and be like, hello, I'm Sarah Brightman, which, you know what, in all fairness, that's also my, um, what's her name, impression, that woman that sings, wild, wild horses, and the I dreamed a dream lady. Oh, Um, oh, Boyle? No. Yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm Susan Boyle. Oh my god. I dreamed a dream and I'm gonna be. Oh, will you please do that? I want to see yeah. both of those. I trained with Sarah Brightman on the moon. <laughs> I only drink moon water. Anyway. Oh, I love that. Matt, yeah. I love you. Thank you for staying up so late. What is it oh 2 a.m. there? Oh it is. Oh my god, you holy wow. We do you have two uh, shows tomorrow? We do. We do. Maybe. I know, but um, but yes, the, but you. This was lovely. I'm so glad I got to talk to you and see you. Yeah, um, you too. Thank you for coming on, and I just love you to death. And I'm so happy and proud for you. Oh, and I can't wait to start seeing you plastered all over Broadway. Yeah, uh, one day when the know. plague is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love you, sweet boy. You have a great night. And everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Josh Swallow's Broadway Season 2. Stay tuned for next week. Josh Swallow's Broadway is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and myself, Josh Lehman, with associate producer Elizabeth Wheelis. And special thanks to our Patreon producers, David Rimmer and Josh Harris. You can join them. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Josh Swallow's Broadway. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I read them. This is how I continue living. Help me live. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping Broadway alive and swallow you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.